appreciate you being here and uh, appreciate those folks from the home church here, those that are visiting from around our fellowship, we appreciate you being here and uh, no doubt God is going to help to make it worth your while to be here. Uh, I always enjoy being in New Zealand. I always enjoy being at where the churches get together and uh, go out to each other's revivals and uh, uh, support the building of the kingdom of God. And uh, we're blessed to have you here. We pray that God will do something in your life tonight. If you have a Bible, we're in the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6, there in the Old Testament, Joshua chapter 6, and we'll read a little bit of the story there about Jericho, and so we're going to just see what God can do there. There's an old comedy skit, and nobody here has a television, but back in the day before we got rid of televisions, there was a guy called Bob Newhart, and Bob Newhart did a comedy sketch, and in the comedy sketch, he is a psychiatrist, and a young lady comes into his office, and she wants to receive some counseling from him as the psychologist, and so it's a very clear-cut situation, and so uh, he said, before we start the counseling session, I want to let you know about my fee structure, how much I'm going to charge you. For the consultation, she said, okay. He said, I charge $50 for the first five minutes. After that, the consultation is free, no matter how long it goes for. She's like, that's an odd situation. And uh, how much do you, how come you don't charge after five minutes? Uh, He said, well, people rarely stay beyond the five minute mark. And so all you're going to be up for is the $50, and that will be the counseling session. So they kind of agree to the terms. Then he asked this young counselee, what is your problem? And she says, my problem is I'm afraid of being buried alive in a wooden box. He's like, really? She said, yes. He said, has anybody ever tried to bury you in a wooden box? She said, no. Have you ever been trapped inside a wooden box? She said, no. Has anybody ever tried to put you in a wooden box? No. But you're just fearful of being trapped inside a wooden box and then being buried. She said, yes, it's not just wooden boxes. When I go under low, lower ceilings, when I sit in a bus, when I go into an elevator, all these things, it comes back to me. Uh, uh, I feel like I'm going to be buried in a wooden box. He goes, that's it. Yeah, that's it. He said, I've got two words for you. And she goes, and she takes out a notepad and she's about to write it down. He said, no, no, you know, I don't think you don't need to write this down. Two words for you. And so it's kind of, she's okay, she's excited about this, she's going to get over the, uh, the fear of uh, uh, being buried alive in a wooden box. Uh, and so he asks her to come in close, and he goes, if you want to cure your fear of being buried alive in a wooden box, uh, he said, stop it! He said, you don't want to be buried. You don't want to live your life that way. Can't go into buses. Can't go into elevators. Can't go into, into confined spaces. It's just, no. he said, then just stop it. 
How hard is it? Uh, uh, you got? Didn't you ever been to wooden box? You never been trapped in anything like a circumstances? Just stop it. And he goes, three and a half minutes. Do you want to wait till the fifth to the five minutes, or you, you've had enough now and you can go home? And she decided that she would go home. Now that comedy is based on what is a biblical principle, and I want to bring you that biblical principle tonight. Uh, and that is that you and I have been given a God-given ability over your tongue. Yes, you have. And any time that you are tempted to say something, anything, that doesn't line up with God's promises for your life, uh, then you can just stop it. So I'm going to preach on stop it tonight from Joshua chapter 6. And uh, while this may not be fresh revelation in one sense, I believe that God is going to speak to people tonight. And this is going to change your future if you just learn to stop it. Amen. Joshua chapter 6 verses 1 through 5, the Bible says these words. Now Jericho was securely shut up. Uh, because of the children of Israel, none went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, the king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests will blow the trumpets. And it will come to pass that when... They make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a loud shout, uh, and then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people will go up every man straight before him. Skip down to verse 10, and now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth. Until the day I say to you, shout, uh, and then you shall shout. Let's look first of all at the mission that Joshua describes here in our text. Now, you know the story. The children of Israel have come up. Uh, out of Egypt, this is a picture of your life before sin. They've crossed through the Red Sea, a picture of water baptism. The Bible says they've been wandering around the wilderness for 40 years. What should have taken them 11 days has taken them 40 years because of their complaining and their whinging and their vocal whining about their circumstances. But now they have a fresh chance to enter into uh, the promised land uh, and enter into all that God has promised the nation of Israel for centuries, a better life, a better marriage, better opportunities. The Bible describes the promised land, their future, your future and my future as a land that flows with milk and honey, uh, which is a metaphor for abundance uh, and blessing. Uh, and this picture of a future abundance uh, is also found in the prophet Isaiah where he says, uh, you shall live in joy and peace. Uh, the mountains and hills will burst into song uh, and the trees of the field uh, will clap their hands. Here is God saying not just to the Jews, uh, not just the physical promised land of our text but God is saying for every single one of us God has a future there are promises of God for your life that are not yet realized you're not yet walking in those and he's saying the 
promises of God are so lavish that nature itself cannot hold back. If people won't praise God for your future, he says the, the nature itself promises God and praises God rather for his promises for your life. Between the children of Israel and their future and between your future and your life now and your future uh, lies this city called Jericho. The Bible says it's a walled city. It's a very strong city, very secure, the Bible says. They're ready to oppose Israel's progress into God's promised future. Historians say that the walls of Jericho were so wide at the top, wider at the bottom, but they're so wide at the top that historians say that chariots could race around the walls of Jericho, five and six chariots across uh, such was the strength of these walls uh, such was the security of this city uh, and between where they were and where God says they could be uh, lies this walled city called uh, Jericho it's a picture of an insurmountable problem it's the picture of a uh, an impassable uh, uh, obstacle no possible way through uh, and it's such a large obstacle that if they're not careful they could look at that uh, and they would be tempted to give up but as you read through the text, we went through fairly quickly there. As they uh, are given the promise of God for the promised land, they come upon Jericho, the walled city, great giant walls opposing their progress. There's actually no hint of hesitation. There's no hint of concern about the size of the obstacle. There's no hint of them worried about whether or not God can do it or God can't do it. There's no uncertainty. Joshua said, let's just get the job done. But then he adds in a little caveat, a little, uh, a little addendum, if you like, a little product disclosure statement where he says, all of this is possible as long as you don't speak. Very interesting to me. God is big enough. The walls can come down. The promised land's there for their taking. Everything is set in place. And he's saying the one obstacle really is not the walls of Jericho, but the words that you might speak about the walls of Jericho. He says, I don't want you to speak. Verse 10 in the New Living says, do not even talk. Not a single word from any of you. And it's obvious that the only thing that Joshua is concerned about, and God might I say, he's concerned not about the strategy, but people's ability to talk themselves out of destiny, future, victory, and blessing. And what is true back there in the text is still true today. It's true in my church, and I have every confidence it's true here. Human nature doesn't change much over the centuries. The only thing that can stop God's people from the future that God has for them is they may talk themselves out of it by the words that they speak. It's clear tonight that your tongue, I was going to get you to poke your tongue out, but I won't get you to do that. Your words, your speech, are critical to fulfilling God's missions, plural, for your lives. James picks it up in James chapter 3 and verse 2. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. 
But if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. James is saying, listen, there's nobody perfect. And we could all say amen to that. He said, but the starting point is your tongue. And he says, if you could learn to get the victory over your tongue, something about victory in that small area would play out in victory in every other area of our lives. If you could learn to control your tongue, you can control yourself in every other way. Clear your words are the starting point. Your words are more than sound bites. They're more than sound waves. The Bible says that dominion in the things that you speak about has huge ramifications for your life. James chapter 3, verse 3 and 4, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. And so James is saying, listen, you can take a 700 kilo horse and by means of a small bit in its mouth representing its tongue he says you can take that 700 kilo horse and you can steer it wherever you want you can jump you can go down uphills downhills wherever anywhere you want to go if you can control its tongue he says you can take a 200 million kilo ship massive ship and says that by means of a small rudder at the back of that ship, uh, he says, wherever you turn that rudder, you can, you can steer that massive ship, uh, even though the winds are contrary, uh, even though the seas are large, uh, even though the tides are trying to take it off course, uh, that one small rudder can steer that massive ship. Uh, and he says, your tongue has just the same influence over your life. James and Joshua are emphasizing the huge consequences of something so seemingly innocuous as your words. And I've got people in my church, they've been saved 10 and 20 and for some of them 30 plus years and they've never made the connection. And in reality, they are still wandering around in a virtual spiritual wilderness because they've never got the victory over the words that come out of their mouth. They've answered altar calls. They've been in revivals. They've been to conferences. All of the various practical things that would make up, in a success, in a sense, a busy Christian life, except for their tongue. The bit, the rudder of their life is kinked, and they've never made the kind of progress that God so desperately wants to give them. Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, says, I cannot let you get away with just saying whatever you want, when you want. Proverbs 10, verse 19, too much talk leads to sin. Amen. Be sensible, he says, and keep your mouth shut. He says, stop it. He says, if you just let your tongue run, if you just allow yourself uh, the luxury of just saying what you want, when you want, uh, he says, that's going to destroy your life. He says, just stop it. Proverbs 14.1, a wise woman builds her home, 
but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. Ladies, for some reason he singles you out. Now the fact that he had a personal relationship with about a thousand women probably you know, swayed his, uh, his, his revelation here. But he said, ladies, he says, you're trying to build a house. You're trying to build a home. You're trying to build a life, marriage, husband, blessing, an atmosphere, raising godly kids. But, but he says, you're nagging. Your criticism. He says, you're just constant backbiting, pessimistic, faithless words are, are pulling it down. You're pulling your own house down. At the same time, you're answering a hundred altar calls, you're going to marriage seminars, you're reading all the books, and yet your tongue is causing all the problems. In World War II, millions of volunteers were either volunteered or recruited for military service during World War II. And one of the problems that those that were in charge of the military had was that citizen soldiers, volunteers, had no idea that their loose lips could inadvertently give vital military information into the enemy's hands. And so the governments of most countries uh, wrote up specific rules of conduct uh, about the letters you write, ho write home uh, and the conversations you may have uh, with your friends and family whenever you went home. Uh, let me give you an excerpt. It says, silence means security. If a violation is serious within written communications, uh, it is disastrous in conversations. If you come home during, your war, during war, your lips must remain sealed by self-imposed censorship. This takes guts. Have you got them or do you want your buddies and your country to pay the price for your showing off? You face the battlefront. It's little enough to ask you to face this home front. Loose lips sink ships. That's not just true of physical military conquest it's true of the future that God has for every one of us the mission is learning to get control over what you say there's a second thing that's the method three areas where you need to learn to stop it shut up if that's an allowable phrase over the pulpit if you're in England you say leave it out leave it out Three areas. Number one, past failures. Say past failures. That's you giving air to all the reasons why God's will cannot be done based upon your own personal past disappointments. That somehow you measure the size of God and the strength of God and the promise of it, not by God himself, not by the word of God, but you measure it by what's happened personally in your life. There was an Australian cricketer, his name was Scott Muller. And a number of years ago, he was a cricketer and obviously from a young age began to set a trajectory to play uh, to the highest he could play. Uh, and eventually he made it into the Australian cricket team. So he's playing for the national team. Uh, his first game, uh, he didn't go so well. Uh, uh, his bowling was a little wayward. 
in his second test for Australia. I mean, he's at, he's at the top of this trajectory. In the second test, uh, he got a ball near the boundary and he tried to throw it into the wicketkeeper and he missed the wicketkeeper by a large margin. And somebody said, can't bowl, can't throw. Four words. Can't bowl, can't throw. And for whatever reason, it was broadcast over the Channel 9 commentary. Some people thought that it was Shane Warne. More than likely, it was Shane Warne. Shane Warne denied it. Then an anonymous guy they called Joe the Cameraman said, you know, I had my microphone, maybe my microphone was on, maybe I just let it out there, uh, you know, can't bowl, can't throw, I don't know, you know, it's just kind of mystery, yeah? And so it's just these four innocuous words spoken about a guy at the peak of the trajectory. It so affected Scott Muller that someone would speak about his failure, his, uh, uh, his disappointments, the things that he couldn't do, it so affected him, he never played again. Not just for the Australian team, he didn't play for a state team, he didn't play for a club team, he never played again. And spent the next several years getting psychological counselling because of words. Now, that's an extreme case, but there are people here, and that's you. Not Joe the cameraman or uh, Shane Warner, it's just yourself. And you say, can't bowl, can't throw, about yourself. Based upon your past history, the way you were raised, uh, uh, past disappointments, uh, times you've stepped out and failed, uh, and this now becomes the reference points for your life, uh, and you're wandering in the wilderness because of the words you speak, an accumulation or a collection, an aggregation, if you like, of things you've said. The children of Israel are fresh out of 40 years in the wilderness. These guys have failed on a global proportion. <laughs> They have you know, messed up royally, and we are reading about it to, today. They now face the seemingly impossible task of going through Jericho into the promised land, and they have an outrageous military strategy that's, that's heaven sent, and that is march around the city once a day for six days, on the seventh day, march around seven days, a trumpet blast and shout and the walls will come down. It's an outrageous plan. And Joshua and God are saying, listen, the danger, if you speak, you'll think about your past. How long we're in the Nation of Egypt, how long we wandered around in the wilderness, how our other generations have died off, how people have left us and died in the wilderness. He says the danger is you begin to speak as you walk around the city under enemy soldiers that could drop something on your head. And he says the danger is you would yield to a natural response and that response is this will never work. There is no future. I don't believe that God can do this. Uh, amen. Older Christians, when they don't step into what God has for their life, they're usually a little bit more diplomatic than the new convert. The new convert, I can't live for God, you know, my friends, and it's very, very obvious. Uh, older Christians are a little more subtle. 
Pastor Ross, I have different priorities now. I'm, I'm married now. You should have more time on your hands because someone's cooking and cleaning for you. I just offended some people. But to Pastor Walsh, I'm, 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 I'm going to have to devote some time to this and that uh, that's not in the will of God. Uh, and you're a little bit more subtle. Uh, uh, you blame others. You find fault with the pastor. You find fault with the church. You find fault with the fellowship. Uh, and, uh, but it's all about words uh, that you speak about past failures and disappointments. I'm amazed at what I've been blamed for over the years. The result is they would refuse to participate in what we know to be the perfect will of God. When it comes to serving God, the only real failure is the failure to continue. One of the great dangers in failing to continue is what you speak about, what is your personal history. Uh, don't speak about your past failures. Amen. Number two is the present feelings and moods and emotions. You know, some people, I mean, this is also odd to me. It's like whatever just randomly passes through their head must make it way out, its way out their mouth. It's like they're like a walking, you know, speech bubble, you know, like a little, uh, you know, they just can't, you know, they got, you know, I'm feeling lonely. There's no men in this church, you know, it's just like, like where did that come? Like, do you just give air to anything that comes through your brain? Any emotion? I'm tired. I'm busy. What are they? Well, just you know, idly putting out into words, steering your life. I'm lonely is not just like I said, it's not just sound waves or a sound bite, it's a rudder leading you where? Lonely, Lonelyville. <laughs> Resentment, anger, depression, bitterness, jealousy. Rebellion, these are all represented in the Bible as diseases or sicknesses or bondages. And let me tell you tonight that the, 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 you, know, you may have to wrestle through some unforgiveness. You may have to wrestle through some resentment. You may even have to wrestle through a little bit of rebellion from time to time. But the moment you speak it out, then you just strengthen the bondage you enlarge the sickness you magnify the sin it's like strengthening the bars of a cage around your life when you speak it out the devil will make sure from time to time you feel jealous you feel some resentment you feel some disappointment that's just the nature of spiritual warfare but the moment you speak it out it's guiding you into the very thing you're hoping to avoid this gives way to what's called catastrophizing. 
That's people that just can't help but speak out the worst case scenario. They never have a runny nose. It's the swine flu. It's not, it's not it's a little, you know, a little, little bit of runny nose. It's nothing. It's like, it's coronavirus. They come to church wearing a mask, you know. They haven't been... They haven't seen China on a billboard for, you know, they let them be there, and yet they're worried about, you know, it's the way they catastrophize. Now, the answer for you, if you're a catastrophizer, and every church has a few, is what would your best self tell your best friend on your best day is the best most biblical, most Christ-like way of processing that current circumstance. Speak that out. (laughs) Think about it. Think about the Bible. What's the best answer? What's the best words I could speak? What's the, what's the thing that's going to give it the God the most glory in this situation and speak those things out? The reason why God's instructions are so specific is found right there. Verse 3, you shall march around the city, all you men of war. That word march means it's something you decide to do whether you feel like it or not. If you're in the military, yeah, how do you feel, boys? You okay today? Any, anyone, any, hands up. Anyone you're going to march against this? You know, anyone? If you're too tired, no, no problem. It says, get out. <laughs> We're marching. And so he's saying, I want you to march because that's something you can choose to do. He says, I want the men to lead the charge. That this ought to be led by the men. And he calls them men of war, not wimps. Because men of war march in spite of all the various potential emotions that come through their mind pastor joe campbell says you cannot disciple an emotional man because they are just the moody blues i mean it's just they're just you know they're just always average proverbs 25 28 whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city Broken down without walls, Proverbs 16.32, He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. And I, uh, you know, I like the gym. I don't bench press, but I like the gym. But it doesn't matter if you can bench press 200 kilos. He says, if you don't have any rule over your emotions, he says, you're the weakest man in the room. I've seen large men, muscle, muscle, muscular men, men that make your knees knock together, and they're just big babies. <laughs> Emotional basket cases because they can't help but speaking out every emotion. The third thing is potential fears. What will happen in the future? How will this turn out? What if I make this choice? What if God doesn't come through for me? What if I try and I fail? What if I'm embarrassed? The reason they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years was because exactly that. Moses took 12 of the best men 
One man representing each of the 12 tribes sent them into the promised land. He sent them there at harvest time. I mean, this is a sweet place. (laughs) They've got bunches of grapes so big they've got to carry them on a pole between two men's shoulders. There's figs, there's pomegranates. It's just a, it's a beautiful place. Place that flows with milk and honey. And God says, you can just have at it. 11 days walk, in you go, we take over, you're in charge, live your life. But 10 basket cases, 10 big babies, they're over there and they're all kind of standing there looking in and you know, Joshua and Caleb, they're excited about the possibilities and these 10 big babies like, you see what I see? What? Yeah. You see the walls? The walls. You see the giants, giants. See how big these boys are. And these 10 guys, emotional babies, despite all that God said they can have, they talk each other out of it. Then they go back and talk several million people out of walking into the promises of God. Better watch out who you listen to, by the way. Let me just throw that in there. It's not just words. They're words of resentment. They're words of anger. They're words of bitterness. They're words of rebellion. They're words of disappointment. It's not just words. It's steering them and you into a place. And so Joshua says, don't speak, was Joshua's advice. He said, listen, best you don't say anything. That'll shut a few people up. Best you don't say anything. If the only thing that come out of your mouth is past disappointments, uh, present emotions, uh, or future fears. I close one final thought. That's mastery over your tongue. How many wants some mastery over their tongue? Uh, I got saved many years ago. pastor keeps reminding me of that. Uh, I got saved many, many years ago. A little, little side note. I went to, to church with my then girlfriend she'd gotten saved she was getting baptized on a Sunday morning in the Perth church and so I'm a 24 year old loser and uh, I go out to church on a Sunday morning with no interest in God and uh, so I go there uh, and the pastor preaches I'm just kind of sitting I'm the guy at the back in the back row arms folded no interest so let's bow your heads and so we bow our heads and I just kind of flow with the program and uh, no interest, no, nothing, no, no, no feelings, no thoughts, nothing about church or God. Just, I'm just kind of there because she's going to get baptized. And then the pastor said, uh, if anybody wants to know more about God, put your hand up. Well, I just assumed, of course, everybody wants to know more about it. Because I thought it was like every, all of us are going to put our hands up. So I was kind of, you know, in my mind, I'm saying, you know. And he goes, I see that hand. I'm like, <laughs> and uh, he's, so I'm like, flippin' heck, that's not, that's not, you know. So I hunker down. There's a few hundred people there. I'm like, hunker down, you know. He goes through, the, through that a few times, and then he goes, you raise your hand, look at me. I'm like, not a chance. I'm not going to look up. This is going to be a drama, you know. And I'm thinking about running to the back door. I'm thinking about starting a fight. I'm thinking about lots of different things. Nothing about salvation. Nothing about God. Nothing about nothing. But he singles me out. You at the back there, third round, you with that shirt on. Look at me. I'm like, so I'm like, did you mean that? 
And I, that's it, we're done. He goes, well, get out of your chair. So I go, oh, this. Anyway, so I get out of my chair. I wander to the front. I got, I, again, just, I, can, I can't describe to you how numb I, with no emotion towards the things of God. I go to the front. Uh, brother comes over. Uh, he says, tells me to kneel down. He says, I want you to say these words after me. I am a, I'm just, I have no interest. <laughs> I can't describe it. No interest. But he says, say, so you speak these words out. And so I speak the words out. You know the story. It's a sinner's prayer. And I, don't, I can't describe to you what happened, but just a halfway through, I'm a sinner. And when I said that out loud, it's like, that's not good. And uh, I'm separated from God. I said, I'm separated from God. And as I began to speak these words out, my entire body, body, soul, spirit, mind, emotions, thoughts, everything began to line up with the words I was speaking. And by the end of it, I was born again saved. I got up from there. He says, welcome to the family of God. I said, man, I'm in the family of God. And I, I mean, the weight lifted off, uh, the burdens lifted. I got a smile on my face. Uh, it's a major a revolution because I spoke certain things out. Because there's a power when you tell your tongue what to say. You could be having your worst day or you could be feeling nothing about your future. But if you would speak out what God says about your life and your future, uh, you could have mastery over your future. I've counseled people. I'm trying to convict them. I'm trying to bring some direction. I'm trying to say, listen, this is a, you know, this is a bad scene. You're, you're doing this. You're saying this. You're involved with this. Uh, and they're kind of just a little bit, you know, well, you know, you, you just, you know, obvious, you know just, just ignoring me in one sense. And I've, I've, I've begun to say, that, listen, if I was in your shoes, let's just say I was in your shoes and my pastor was speaking to me, about this exact same circumstance, this is the kinds of things I would say. I'm apologizing. I, I, I didn't mean, and I commit myself to do And I give, I give them a little bit of a, a pro forma, a little bit of a rundown of what they should say. And in the best situations, when I give them those words and they speak those words back to me, all of a sudden the thing breaks. Because now by their words, they're steering themselves into the kind of future that God says they can have. I've had people come up to me and criticize. Uh, uh, find it hard to believe, I know, but uh, uh, critics, uh, and they'll come up and, you know, what about, the, how, how come this is going on? And I say, just, excuse me. Would you ask that same question again, thinking about, Jesus standing right there and you ask me that same question again oh oh, oh okay uh, pastor um, you know just a little thought about that you know and that's you're completely different and there's a completely different outcome why because they changed what they said and I could give you a situation and circumstance like that over and over again, uh, that if you would speak out what God says, uh, if you'd speak out what the Word of God says, this is steering you to where you want God to take you. 
Perhaps one of the greatest challenges, I'm going to finish right here, is speaking things you cannot yet see. Hebrews 11 says, By faith, when it says, the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are, were, are seen were not made of things which were visible. As God spoke just, you know, words, and that created things that were not there previously. So rather than you speaking about and confirming past failures, present emotions, and future fears, what if you spoke out God's word? What if you spoke out the possibilities? What if you spoke out the blessings of God? And you brought those things into existence, and not just your own personal word, but the worlds of others. There are people here that your greatest battle is fighting against the words somebody else has spoken over your life. Let me encourage you, as you speak to other people about their future, don't be the kind of person putting a curse on them. Speak positive, opportunity, encouragement, words of blessing, and see what God can do. Archaeologists tell us that the walls of Jericho did indeed fall down. These massive structures, simple strategy, no words of unbelief, simply obedience to God's word. And these walls came down and they didn't fall outwards, which is what they would expect and crush the army. They fell inwards as a reference point for future generations of the powerful lessons you can learn about words. That's about how he's going to close in a word of prayer. <coughs> heads about eyes are closed.